For Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Ken loves talking all about cars, past, present, and future. Here he is, that automotive nerd with a historical twist, Ken Chester. Welcome to another information-packed hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester, in studio with the rest of the Roadworthy Drive crew. Executive producer Jack at the controls and social media diva Sasha at Mike 2. Hi there, guys. Hello. Hey. I am changing the format of this hour so that you can enjoy the debut of our newest segment, Passion Driven Tech with Sasha, where she interviews some of the most passionate people behind today's automotive technology. Her first interview is with Eric Lunseth of Pedal, a social media app for people who love cars and sharing their favorite car picks. So, without delay, take it away, Sasha. I've got a chance to talk with Eric Lunseth. Eric has an exciting new app that is right up our automotive alley. Thank you, Eric, for taking the time to talk with me. So, Pedal, that's P-E-D-A-L. Why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Well, thanks, Sasha, first for having me on. Pedal is the easiest app that we created, officially launched around November of last year. It's a social media app. Pedal, our tagline is passionate for what moves, and our goal is create a social media place where auto enthusiasts can come together and, again, share pictures, video, and everything car culture. Right, and I love the pictures that people are sharing. When I was scrolling through the app, you've got both professional photographers and just personal vehicles, people that are just walking down the street and snapping pictures of something that caught their eye. What brought about the idea of Pedal? So myself and my co-founder, Caroline, lifelong automotive enthusiast, moved to Los Angeles a couple of years ago. And living here in Southern California, it's kind of the epicenter of car culture. And no offense to any other place out there that thinks that they have more car culture than it's huge out here. Taking a look at what is going on in that social media landscape with other platforms, there was no one really doing exactly what we saw as an opportunity to do. Talking with other automotive enthusiasts, we found that yes, they like what other social media platforms are doing, but they definitely want something where they can just go and see everything that they love, which is automotive. There's a great quote out there by Ferdinand Porsche where he said, I couldn't find the sports car of my dreams, so I built it myself. That's very true with Pedal. There wasn't an application out there that I truly love, so we went ahead and built it to travel so many different events. Instant validation that we know this app will be successful because everyone at all these events is is taking pictures, and I love taking pictures and sharing pictures and, and talking about automobiles. Now, you're mentioning events. I know recently you just came from the Barrett-Jackson auction. Are you planning to attend other car venues this year? Absolutely. So we were just at Barrett-Jackson, RM Sotheby's, and Russo and Steel down in Scottsdale, and that was incredible. We had the opportunity to meet with a lot of great individuals, manufacturers, steel manufacturers themselves. A lot of people signed up on the app and joined Pedal, which is fantastic. We do have plans to attend other events throughout the year. As of right now, you know, I, I cannot announce anything that's concrete that we will personally be at, but we do have plans to do that. So we are constantly out promoting the app wherever we can. We've been to conferences in Silicon Valley. We were at Monterey Car Week last year, SEMA last year as well. Press days for Automobility LA, which is the lead up to the LA Auto Show, where we've been in an official capacity. So it's been great to get out and meet a bunch of other people. But th there is one thing that I would like to announce that we, we will be at in the future. Okay. Um, and I can officially announce this on your show because I haven't 
said this anyplace else yet. We have the official automotive social media app for the Gasparilla Concourse Day Elegance, which will be a new event held in Tampa, Florida, and that will be the following April, so April 13th of 2019. So kind of a save the date out there. It's a little ways away, but Tampa's never held an event like this before. Okay. Uh, The name Gasparilla to you and a lot of your listeners may not sound familiar, but in Tampa, it's synonymous with a lot of cultural events that go on from January through April. I'm sure that this event will be spectacular. April in Tampa is a beautiful time of year. For those that want to check it out or, or learn some information or at least definitely put a save the date out there, it's, again, the Gasparilla Concourse de Elegance. Gasparilla is G-A-S-P-A-R-I-L-L-A. There's a website, Gasparilla Concourse. There's, of course, a Facebook page, Gasparilla Concourse de Elegance. We're happy to be partnering with them, and we're the official automotive social media app for that event. That is amazing. That's the really cool thing about car culture and automobiles is people are passionate about this industry and about their cars. and. They're a big part of people's lives, and when you meet someone and start having conversations with somebody, and then you find out what's happening here, what's happening there, it opens up a lot of doors, and it's been a lot of fun. Okay. You've started the groundwork, and you're really starting to expand. How do you plan to grow Pedal, and what are your plans to sustain Pedal? Promoting Pedal, we're using a lot of different avenues for that. We hired a wonderful global PR firm, PMK, BNC. We worked with Susan Engel, who's our publicist. We had a lot of great press that came about our initial PR campaign that was back in November. Again, we did some, had some great press, some wonderful interviews. We're, of course, always interested and grateful to speak with more people and media outlets like what we're doing here with you today. Right. We have an internal marketing plan that we went ahead and developed that we're, we're actively working. As previously mentioned, we attend as many events as we can, either in official capacity or just as enthusiasts as we are. Mm-hmm. ourselves. We travel around to different businesses, organizations, automotive museums, and we also have an active grassroots campaign, attending events like Cars and Coffee or meetups. And word of mouth is, is definitely still one of the most powerful tools that we have available to us today. When you take a look at everything that's going on out there, you know, some numbers that we have from last year, if you do a simple blog search for auto- automobiles or automotive you get over 18 million responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's over 400 online chat rooms. There's worldwide car clubs that we're talking to. So there are, is really no shortage of people to reach out to and speak to or events to attend. You know, that's kind of what we're doing. Also, to grow Pedal, we are scaling up as we grow our members. We have a lot of features that we want to add down the road. We, of course, are also out there right now continuing talks with investors for early seed rounds of financing, so we are continuing to grow with that as well. It's a very exciting time for us. Right. And now within the app, it's attractive, like I said, to professional and personal photographers. Tell us some of the features that actually draw in the average car enthusiast. Well, feature-wise, it's attractive because we're doing a couple of things that other social media platforms are not doing. Something that's really neat that we're very happy with is a, a member has the ability to add links to all their individual posts if they want. That's yes. not something that you can do on some other social media apps out there. So if if you're someone that just wants to share more information, you could put a link to whatever car that you posted in there. Or if you're someone that wants to promote something, if you're a journalist and you want to promote your work, uh, you could put a link to an article or to a video. If you're an influencer and you want to promote your brand, you can do that. If you're a car manufacturer, and again, you want to spread the word about what you're doing and you want to share more information, put a link to your website or to your YouTube page, what have you. And that's what people are doing. We also have the ability that all your members, those people that are following you, they will see all your posts as they happen. 
That is also not something that's true in other media platforms that we've heard from other people that that's very frustrating. So yes. there are some things that we are doing that are different. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, it's, it's attractive to all people out there, which is true. It's, we have individuals that are on there that are just spotted interesting vehicle and they want to post it. We do have journalists that are on our app. We have TV personalities that are on the app. We have automotive manufacturers that are on there. So really neat thing about cars and car culture is it's so embedded with us. Cars are so much a part of people's lives that there is something for everybody. And, and there's always a really neat story, you know, that a lot of people have to share about a certain automobile. There's, again, something for everybody. Great. I just want to make sure you are on, obviously, the Google Play and the yep. Apple platform. And what should they search for to find you? As you mentioned, our app name is called Pedal. Our tagline is Passion for What Moves. So the easiest way to find us, search Pedal Passion, will definitely come up. We are an app, but certainly we have a website as well. Our website is pedal.app.com, P-E-D-A-L, the app.com. You can go to the website on your device, click on the App Store logo, and it will take you right to your App Store, as well as you can go ahead, and if you have more questions or would like more information, you can certainly email us, info at pedaltheapp.com, and one of our team members will get back to you. So once again, thank you ever so much, Eric Lunseth, for the interview. Uh, Pedal was actually a really, really good experience, you know, for the phone, and it's filled with pictures that if, even if you're a photographer or professional, it's a really great place to get you started. And it's real easy to use. I actually signed up, and it wasn't that hard. Not at all. Right. So um, it's interesting, but of course, everybody loves cars, so we're expecting great things. And of course, you know, dear listener... We keep you apprised of all things going on with tech. Pedal is no different. We will continue to follow Eric as him and Pedal continue to grow and evolve. Now, again, Sasha, if they want to reach that, it's pedaltheapp.com. Pedaltheapp.com. And then that will allow them to go to either Apple Play, I'm sorry, Google Play or the, or the, or Apple, the Apple Store. Store. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's available on both platforms. Well, there you go, people. So um, when we return... Uh, it's going to be odds and ends from the parts bin. Mm. I have some things to talk about. Oh, I do. I do. That we've left off. So I'm sure you'll get, you'll find it's interesting. So people, don't touch that dial. You are listening to Roadworthy Drive. RoadworthyDrive.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show. Here's the beautiful motion picture star, Gene Cray. Hello. I'd like to show you something I'm very proud of. This is my new DeSoto. Isn't it beautiful? It's long and lovely and low. Almost a foot lower than I am, and I'm only five feet five. I think its styling is outstanding, and these new fins are really striking. And what's more, my DeSoto is fun to drive, even in heavy traffic. It's so easy to handle. DeSoto's full-time power steering is the best I've ever tried. Of course, push-button driving is a wonderful improvement. 
It's so simple. The way my DeSoto rides, you just won't believe it until you try it. As you may have gathered, I'm very pleased with my new DeSoto. I paid a lot more for cars, but this new DeSoto is the most exciting car I've ever had. It's the most exciting car in the world today. The 1957 DeSoto. The smart way to go places. Oh, that was the next year. I'm sorry. If you're just tuning in, welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. If you want to add your voice to the conversation at hand, it's easy. Text or call the Roadworthy Drive line at 872-222-9793 to ask a question, share a comment, suggest a topic, and more. If you'd rather email me, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.com. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Now, we're going to get this program kind of back on track now that uh, we've had uh, our little interview from Sasha. <laughs> and that, and by the way, uh, Passion Driven Tech with Sasha will be a, so, uh, a frequent event or an occasional event. It won't be every show, but it will be on a regular basis. I'm thinking maybe twice a month. It depends on how Sasha is able to line up her interviews. How so, eager other people are to speak with me. Yes. Everybody wants to speak <laughs> with Sasha. Didn't you know? I did not. I did it's not a get thing. that memo. It's a thing. So y'all look for that. We're really excited about it. Uh, she's got some people, at least one more lined up that I think is going to be pretty awesome. And I expect it to only get more awesome as the time goes on. Now, from the parts bin. Let me start with the 2018 ranking uh, by Wallet Hub as the best and worst states to drive in. Oh, this ought to be good. Yeah. Um, here's one thing. Now, they looked at all 50 states across 23 key indicators of a positive commute. The data ranged from average gasoline prices to share of rush hour traffic congestion to road quality. What do you think's number one? For worst? No, for best. For best? For best. Is it somewhere in the Midwest? No, not technically. Southwest? Sort of. How can it be sort of? I don't know. I, anyway, yeah, he's giving uh, us Texas. Big. Texas. Yes, sir. Number one. Really? Yeah. Now, rounding out the top five, uh, three of the remaining four are, in fact, Midwestern. Go for it. Kansas, mm. Nebraska, mm. Iowa, woot, woot. Iowa <laughs> and South Carolina round out the top five. But, hey, here's a couple of fun facts. The U.S. has 11 of the world's worst 25 cities for traffic congestion. And as a whole, America ranks 13th out of 138 countries when it comes to road quality. Is that good or bad? Uh, well, 13th, obviously, higher as opposed to lower. Okay. I'm, I don't know how these things are done. That's, okay. why I, that's why I'm asking. Let me throw this at you. All right. Bottom of the list. Okay. Connecticut, California, Duh. Amen. Maryland, Washington, and Hawaii. Hold on. The state of Washington or Washington, D.C.? The state of Washington. Okay. Okay. I am surprised Illinois is not on that list. I am also surprised that New York is not on that list. I mean, no, yeah. di no, no disrespect York. to Illinois, but I've driven across Illinois. Well, so have I. And, and, and I'm going to be doing that next week, by the way. Now, Sasha, I'm going to throw something in here real quick. Okay. Um, at the affiliate that we that I work at, mm -hmm. um, we've hired a new board operator. Okay, she is from New York City. Mm. This is a direct quote from her: "You people here 
And she absolutely has fallen in love with the state. Of course, because after New York City. She could not not believe how tranquil and quiet and green it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that she said to me is, your traffic at 7.30 in the morning and at 4.30 in the afternoon is nothing compared to what it is in New York City all day long. I will put it to you this way. In the small town when I first came out here that I lived in, Mm -hmm. we called it the Rush Minute. (laughs) Oh, okay. We had a whole rush minute. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's try this. The U.S. Department of Transportation wants to save your life. How? They are launching a new data initiative to save your life, a three-point plan to transform its massive data sets into understanding and action by identifying three to five proximate factors that contribute to fatal car accidents and then work with cities and states to mitigate them. See, the U.S. Transportation has been collecting all this information for years. Right. But they really haven't uh, analyzed it to the point where they can do something about it and actually put today's computers to work to actually be predictive. What they're looking at doing now is actually not only figuring out what's causing it, but to actually predict situations in which accidents can happen and then try to eliminate those situations. Okay, but I have a question. Mm -hmm. How are they accumulating this data? Um, what devices are they gaining the, well, this data from? The, I forget the system, but there is a system that every law enforcement agency puts into the federal system when there's an accident, a reporting mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. So they're collecting that and then the studies that they do and looking at accident data, things like this. Basically, police reports and accident reports. So this is not what they term gray data coming from the actual vehicles as newer vehicles have a constant connection to the no, stream right, one way or right the other. now it is their federal, they call it the Fatality Analysis Reporting System. Okay. A nationwide consensus of every traffic death in the United States that's published annually. Okay. And that's filled out by law enforcement. Um, they want to integrate real-time data and use it to compare it to historical data to, like I mentioned before, actually predict the likelihood of collisions and unsafe road conditions ahead of time. I see a problem. Because I also see it the second it starts snowing, the cars are all going to slow down. <laughs> right? And what's the problem with that? There's not a problem with Some that. of these people drive too fast in bad conditions But they just anyway. bought a Jeep, though, so they're invincible, though. Uh, no. Yeah. And mm-hmm. because you have four-wheel drive does not mean you're invincible. Amen, either. somebody. Just means that all four wheels are taking you right to the ditch. I've seen that happen. Oh, yes. Oh. I, I've seen it happen speaking, in front of me. Speaking of SUVs and the little yes, time sir. we've got before the break, New Lincoln Navigator. Selling like hotcakes, sir. I, I've heard this. Now, the other question that I have is these things are up around 90K on the top end trim level. 84% of the folks that are buying the new redesigned Navigator yeah, are, are opting for either the reserve or the black label trim level. Okay, now. Black label takes you to 100 grand, by the way. Okay, do is it fair for me to maybe guess that most of these are being leased? The studies would bear that out. Okay. Um, but in any case, the fact that even a lease payment, I mean, you're looking at what? Eight, $900 a month? Good grief. It could be higher than that. It could be up to Depen- $1,500 a month. Depending. And these depending upon Uber, what, the, Uber, what they call Uber low mileage leases, like 10,000 miles yeah. a year. <sighs> Why is my whole point? Oh, well. Next up, kicking and screaming. What's up with big oil? And then finally, a different kind of self-driving car. This is Roadworthy Drive.
You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. You're listening to the next to last segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for taking us along. I'm Ken Chester. Over the last few years, I've spent plenty of time talking about alternative fuels and propulsion systems for vehicles, from electrics to fuel cells, solar power, and more. But hey, what about good old petroleum? You know, crude oil, Texas tea? No. What? I'm not feeling it. Anyway, crude oil, gasoline, and diesel fuel. And these are our current reality, to be sure. And honestly, they're not taking all this talk about change lying down. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it could be argued that they're actually kicking and screaming about everything from the EPA corporate average fuel economy standards to even the renewables fuel standard. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. It's all on the table. And they want to keep you, the motorist, coming back to the gas pump. And that means Jack and his truck Mm -hmm. and you and your vehicle. Yep. They do. And they're kicking and screaming just like a three-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. But here's what's going on. And this is what got me started. Uh, headline like this. Exxon CEO pledges $50 billion plus dollars in U.S. investments over the next five years. Wow. My question, what is he smoking? I know that. What is he smoking? Um. They're saying that they'll be investing billions of dollars to increase oil production in the Permian Basin in West Texas and New Mexico, expand existing operations, improve infrastructure, and build new manufacturing sites on top of their massive build-out operations of the Gulf Coast. I don't get it. I, You know what? It's one of those things where, again, what I'm saying, it's going to be a slow, agonizing death. They're used to... Being the major manufacturer with what propels this nation and the world, for that matter. But there's more. There always is. Here's the challenge. Okay. 13 years ago, Congress passed what became the Renewable Fuels Standard. Mm -hmm. At the time, the concern was using ethanol, um, which is grown out here by farmers uh, as what we call corn ethanol. Ethanol derived from corn as a fuel stock to mix or blend with gasoline to do two things. One, extend the supplies of gasoline. Mm-hmm. Two, reduce the level of pollution because ethanol does that. Yeah. Uh, and three, um, offer a alternative way to reduce what was considered to be our uh, exposure to foreign oil. Meanwhile, computer technology has evolved. They discovered and figured out how to make North Dakota profitable in oil shale production, mm-hmm. um, computer uh, programming and research has gotten life out of what used to be dead oil fields in the United States and what they used to call peak oil. That is, the level of oil production in the United States was originally expected to have peaked back in 1970. Oh, wow. We are now, uh, and we've reported it here. Yes. We are now on, on track to be the number two producing uh, crude oil producer in the world. Mm-hmm. Number two after Russia, and get this, in front of Saudi Arabia. 
Yeah, but isn't that true that Saudi has actually turned towards alternative energy sources? Because they're reading the tea leaves. Yep. Not so much alternative sources, but they're looking to take their economy away from oil. Yeah. Be I mean, he made that pledge, what was it, almost 10 years ago? And the reason being is they saw the handwriting on the wall. Yeah. That it's not – they're in they're in a squeeze. Mm-hmm. If they pump more, the price drops. Yep. Which means they deplete their resources quicker – for less money. Yeah. If they turn a spigot down, it drives the price up, but it makes sources like uh, North Dakota and the U.S. shale fields up there more economical. Yeah. And we pump more. And, oh, side fact, and we've reported this here as well, we are currently the number one producer of natural gas in the world, in the United States of America. Yeah, but aren't we just a little late to the party now that everybody's wrapping up? No. Because most of your electricity growing, and we reported that here too, yeah. is by natural gas. It's displacing coal. While it's not completely hydrocarbon free, it has less hydrocarbons and less pollution than coal does. But that's not all. Right now, your big oil is pushing to actually not only reduce the fuel economy standards from 2022 to 2025 mm -hmm. so that you can burn more gasoline. Right. But they're also looking at uh, watering down or changing the renewable fuels, uh, the renewable fuel standard. And that's got a problem. If you are a corn farmer growing corn yep. to be made in ethanol, you don't want that to happen. No. And they're using, and we reported it here again because we report a lot of things here. We do, actually. The bankruptcy of that large East Coast refiner. Now, the problem is that... They're not being totally honest. They're using that bankruptcy and the amount that they had to pay uh, in the renewable fuels world. Mm -hmm. what, and let me explain really quick what most people don't realize. Did you know every single gallon of renewable fuel made uh, has a unique 38-digit identifier? I did not realize that. All on record with the EPA. Huh. That... If you are a refiner and you blend where you buy this mm -hmm. stuff, mm -hmm. then you get what you call uh, renewable uh, identification numbers or RINs. Okay. If you blend more renewable fuel than you need for your requirements, okay. you can sell the surplus to a company like the refiner that just went broke because they didn't have the ability to blend renewable fuel. Yeah. Okay. So the argument now... People are trying to say, oh, this needs to be reformed. Oh, my goodness. No, that refiner needs to get with the program yep. and introduce technology to blend renewable fuel and the cost of what they had to buy these RINs would go down. Well, I mean, that's as technology advances. I mean, as a business and as an infrastructure, you need to upgrade. And if you fail to upgrade, that's like trying to get on the Internet right now with the 1990s Heward Packard computer. OK, and here's the second thing that most people don't realize. Uh-huh. That particular refinery right. was bailed out five years ago. And it just so happened that was the same year mm -hmm. that Big Oil bought more RINs than they needed and pushed the price of those credits down. Right. So basically, you get a chance by buying RINs to offset mm -hmm. if you're not producing renewable fuel. So basically, you're getting penalized for not doing it, which should be by, if you think about it, should be an opportunity to 
um, take that money instead of buying RINs and modernize so Moderni- that you could actually save money. Well, and so that way you could actually stay in the game. So, yeah. Um, so much for that. But that's what's going on there. Big Oil isn't taking this lying down. And we're going to have to find out uh, just how that's going to work. But it's not going to play well in the Midwest, I can tell you that. No, not with so many farmers specifically going. And But then again, you got to choose between people who make oil yep. and people who grow corn. Yep. And which one are they going to choose? I guess we're going to have to stay tuned and find out right here. So, And we will keep an eye on this. When we come back, a different kind of self-driving car. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Roadworthydrive.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. This is the last segment of our show for this hour. For those of you who have not yet visited our new and improved website, why not? www.roadworthydrive.com is the spot for all things about the show. Meet Roadworthy Drive crew, listen to past shows, watch our behind-the-scenes videos, and more. The website's also a great place to discover where you can find Roadworthy Drive across social media, across the social media universe. Excuse me. Right. Sasha is our social media diva who keeps things interesting and lively with her post of automotive tech and topics of note between shows. Sasha, you want to add anything to that? I, you know, there's so much going on. I would love if you happen to see something in the news or if you want to hear from something, go ahead and tag me. Let me know what you want to see on the page. Mm -hmm. And they can email you too, right? They actually can. I'm Sasha at RoadworthyDrive.com. Well, there you go. See how Sasha keeps the social and our social media. In our quest to keep you, our dear listener, up to date on the goings-on in the autonomous car realm, we continue to scour our sources for the most current information. As a result, we have found a couple of news items that have even made us go, hmm. And it's going to cause some contention in the studio, I'm afraid. No. And, yes. And I start with what is called a different kind of self-driving car. And I'm going to call this part one. Um. And I'm going to and believe this is one of those Ripley's, believe it or not, maybe. And it starts with Ford filed a patent for an autonomous police car. Robocop lives. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? Okay, first of all, it is not a man who suffers a horrible accident and then gets remade into a part machinery, part terminator. Secondly, it is just an autonomous vehicle. Yeah, with artificial intelligence and deep machine learning. I read the patent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got nervous reading the patent. Let me just read the, this, the general, the summary. Okay. This patent, this was a patent filed in January of this year by the Ford Motor Company of Dearborn, Michigan. So we're clear. 
It describes an autonomous police vehicle that would be able to detect infractions performed by another vehicle, either on its own or in conjunction with surveillance cameras and or roadside sensors. The AI-powered police car, and that qualifies under Jack's What Could Possibly Go Wrong? I know that's right. Could then remotely issue citations or pursue the vehicle. Until an actual The uniform. method may further involve the processor remotely executing one or more actions with respect to the vehicle. Now, this is where it gets creepy. In other words, the autonomous police car could wirelessly connect to the original car to communicate with the passenger, verify identity, and issue a citation. Mm-hmm. And this what's even... You're right there. What, okay. Wait, oh, no, I got even more. Hold on. In fact, Ford's patent filing describes a machine learning algorithm that would be able to determine whether or not a vehicle is breaking the law warrants a warning as opposed to a citation and a relay and to relay that decision to the driver. Let me start. I'm going to start. Privacy, citizens' rights, right of appeal, faulty equipment, compromised equipment. Let's right. start there. Right to face your accuser. Um, I'm not even going that far. But I see where but you're I, going. But, I see but where I you're think going. You can. Yeah. Okay. You absolutely can. It, because here's my but thing. But this is traffic court, not civil court, people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. This is this is why there is such an uproar in this state right now to get rid of traffic cameras. Mm-hmm. Well, let me go a little further. The patent also describes a method by which police offers within the autonomous police car could manually take over control of the vehicle or use its wireless connection to various databases to gain more information on those breaking the law. And at what point does the does the RoboCop car shut down my vehicle? Considering that OnStar has that ability in right limited now. situations right now. Yep. Because right now, but under certain situations, an OnStar equipped car could be slowed or stopped by law enforcement. Yep. Correct. I, I mean, mean, now there is a there are parameters. There's, there's a protocol to it. There's a protocol, but it can still happen. Mm-hmm. The part that bothers me, and let me read this again, or use its wireless connection to various databases to gain more information about those breaking the law, or if I may, allegedly breaking the law. Because here's what he's trying to say. That car can then patch into my car, which is probably tethered to my cell phone. My cell phone is then linked to my social media applications. Now, in a blink of an eye, because, of course, it's not somebody behind a keyboard. So this vehicle could then patch in, see what kind of day I've had on Facebook based on my postings, see whether, you know, I complained about this, complained about that. If the car sees that I broke the law, then I lose all rights to privacy according to their patent. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to go quite that far, but let me throw this. This is an actual example as part of the patent. Vehicle 220 transmits the automatic poli- the autonomous police vehicle 210 a response indicating the vehicle 220 in an, is in an autonomous driving mode or including the image of a driver's license of a human driver if vehicle 220 is in manual driving mode. And I went, what? Could an um, autonomous driving car break the law? This just inferred that it could. Mm-hmm. And under what circumstances? How? I don't know. Um, that part... That part bothers me. And then, okay, wait a minute. What about appeal? Okay? You get written up. It decides that you had broken the law. 
I want to know what the appeal process is and what if the equipment was faulty? What kind of latitude do you have if the autonomous vehicle uh, over time was compromised, not even hacked, just, you know, yeah. it gets old over time. A mouse decided to go in there and chew on a particular wire. We, or it got wet or are, salt or whatever. We are to the point where the technology is beating law, yeah. administrative rules, yeah. and this this stuff has got to stop, and I'm cleaning that up. Uh, I'll go even this further. Again, buried in the patent application. Autonomous police vehicle 110 may be trained or otherwise programmed using machine learning tools, for example, deep neural networks, to find good hiding spots to catch violators of traffic laws such as, for example, speeders, red light violators, and stop sign violators. Now we're going to train it to be sneaky. That's scary. One other thing, changing gears. How about a uh, vehicle that delivers your food, what they call a last mile delivery service which you have reported on i did and said it was show. coming yeah something that grocery stores retail establishments and restaurants are going to it's called the neuro and they're testing it and it has and it was designed to be autonomous so folks we've come to an end of another hour on behalf of the roadworthy drive crew we want to thank you for listening this has been roadworthy drive with ken chester Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.